about to enter the Double Dragon Podcast with Shane Greenwood, owner of Double Dragon Gym in the Sutherland Shire, Trent Lawrence, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, and active pro Muay Thai fighter, Hugh O'Donnell. Are you ready? Fight! Fight! Okay, welcome back to End of the Double Dragon Podcast, episode 81, coming right at you. It's your boy, Shane Greenwood, here at Double Dragon Gym on a Thursday night with Trenton Lawrence. Hello. And Hugh O'Donnell. Hey. Hey, hey, where's the old going, going, guys? How we going? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> we meant to do it a little bit earlier, but I think someone lost their voice over the weekend. Yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> Too much shouting? Was it? Bit of shouting. Yeah. Bit of shouting. Um, before we get into like a WTF, uh, WTF section, what the fight, which is really a rant. It's going to be a fucking big rant. Like it's an actual what the fuck section. Yeah, it is. Like it is. WTF. Yeah. It's like, we'll, we'll give a shout first. So it is like basically on the show we went on to the weekend there. Um... We're gonna go and not really name it from there. If you if you look through the social media, you'll gather which show it is because we are actually going. We are putting a, a formal complaint into the CSA and like don't mention my that. name. <laughs> Someone might be there, <laughs> um, but like yeah, just like yeah. So we're just gonna keep like that anonymous. But like man, if you're a smart person, you can figure out who it is. Yeah, I'm and, not trying to keep it a secret, but I'm not in the interest of. Mm. I don't know, smearing anybody's name yeah. through the mud. Yeah, that's, that's it. We'll let, like, we'll let the CSA sort it out. And They're doing a good enough job at smearing <laughs> their own names through the mud. I don't need to do it. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, shout out to like um, Karina Cardona Salazar for winning a title over the weekend from there. She had a really good performance yeah, in that fight. Like, uh, it's, uh, it was really like, it, it really came all together to her, like that fight from there. It's like, basically, she went all five rounds. In the first round, she just absolutely barbecued this girl's leg. Yeah. And, like, give it to the girl. She never, like, fell over or anything like that, but the leg was, like, black and blue. Yeah. Like, after the first round. Yeah, she just smashed it to pieces. Mm. And then she started, like, really, like, basically, uh, like, you know, really holding the distance using that left-hand post and, like, um, landed really some really sweet uh, overhands. Yeah. Because the girl in later rounds, like, came full, like, you know, that kind of blitzing karate, like the one, two, one, two, one, two, and yeah. caught a couple of times and then made the adjustment in the corner. Like, look, if, if you move back on it, yeah, it's going to be a problem. But maybe if you sit on it and just basically just shoot a punch straight down the middle, yeah. she's going to wear it. And she did a couple of times, which is interesting enough. Uh, was it Horiguchi over the weekend lost in a minute? And that's how he got beat. Yeah. Like, you know, he has that blitzing style. And then, but what happens if you just sit down and just throw a short right hand down the middle? Yeah. And you kind of eat it. Um, so, yep, congratulations to Latina Heat. Um, also, Dion Beatty, yeah, he made his pro debut. Um, yep, the shit that happened before that, which we'll go into. We'll get into it. But, like, um, if you look on the Instagram from there, you can see he's, swinging, he's like, sweet, spinning uh, elbow net KO. Yeah, this is nice. It looks like, really casual, too. Like, smack. He just, like, just turns and goes, yeah. Like, um, he was going for an inside back leg kick, which is a really weird technique, but he throws it a lot. For some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it works. It works. But like, you know, he missed it. But as he missed it, he kind of kept the way where the guy was. And then he just spanned with an elbow. And the guy was trying to throw like a punch at the same time and really just threw his face straight into it. Yeah. And this was a flat line KO. It's been ages since I've seen someone absolutely on their back out for a couple of minutes. He could still be down. I don't know. Yeah. Because we, we pretty much left the ring straight afterwards. Straight away. Yeah. We didn't even wait for the decision. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, uh, shout out to them. Congratulations. Okay, so let's go into WTF. All right. Here we go. All right, so went to a show on Saturday night from there, and like, man, I don't even know where to begin. There was a lot of red flags in this show. Like, when the CSA came through, um, it did take a lot of the elements, uh, CD elements out, and like, you know, a lot of like basically dodgy promoter stuff, um, just shit run shows yeah. out of it. Because, like, basically, you just have to go through a lot of permits, a lot of red tape. You have to tick off a lot of boxes before even the show can even start from there. Um, and, like, you know, with us dealing with the CSA from that, um, I can see why they like dealing with us because we do a really good job of it. But, like, uh, the amount of trouble that we have to get through to get a show through, I just couldn't understand how this show went through. Because usually a lot of times from here, like... I don't know, like, you're meant to have things in place. you got to say, like, what the fights are registered for. So this was a big issue on night. There was a couple of fights, and one of our fights in particular, whereas debated in the ring if this is a full-tie fight or 
bleh, a mod tie fight <laughs> from that. Stupid. But like, um, there was a girls' title fight there where both girls got in the uh, ring and one girl didn't have elbow pads on. This happened to Karina as well. Like, the, her her p- opponent had come in with elbow pads on, and then basically, you know, there wasn't much discuss. Like, yeah, this is a full tie fight. Get your elbow pads on. And they go, oh, okay. And I was like, this is a bit strange, but that fight went ahead. But there was another fight between two girls for Australian title fight, which... It wasn't for an Australian title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was like for this sanctioning Australian title from that one. Um, but, you know, on the program, you see on it, like, you know, all it's like, a jump, like the whole card written out is a jumble words of basically misdirection. Yeah. Like, you know, it's all said on this fight. Every other fight saying like MT, like what the fuck's MT? Um, full tie rules, Muay Thai... Boxing, K1. Um, this fight said amateur title. It didn't even say the rule set on it. And then one girl came out with no elbow pads. And another came out with elbow, another girl came out with elbow pads. And these are girls that have, like, you know, close to 15 fights. Like, these are girls, like, on the cusp of going pro, really. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, like, both teams going there, like, arguing for, like, fucking five or so, five or more minutes. Until eventually the fight was called off because like one person goes, I'm not fighting. Really, basically one person, I'm not fighting elbows. Yeah. From there, and and then really like yeah, it's a shame because one girl came from from Canberra, the girl that wanted to fight elbows from yeah. that, and like it just kind of called off. Some people tell me of this like, oh no, like you know they didn't give him uh, like the other girl wanted to fight elbows, but they didn't give him enough time to put the elbow pads on. That's bullshit. Bullshit. Because like you know, our, we had the same thing. We had all the time in the world to change the gloves, yeah. put the elbow pads on, and that was the deal. Really, just one person decided to say no. But really, how do you get all this way to a fight with one team thinking one like it's mod tie and one team thinking it's full tie, and then on the night you get to the ring? Like, what's the person out? The, what's the officials out the back doing? Like, sending one person without elbow pads on and one person with elbow pads on out to the and ring? Why did no one check? Why wasn't it like okay, this person has their gloves and their elbow pads? Check, check. Because this is yeah. full table. Or why wasn't it? There is no elbow pads because it's a mod, like because it's a mod tie flight. Someone should be checking this off and like a there shouldn't be a disagreement on what the rules are on the night. That's mm. stupid. Um, B you should be checking the gear. Like we had to get our own gear and stuff like like this is one of these shows because I've fought on them and stuff like that where there's no one really running the thing where you kind of go if I never showed up. Hmm. And they called my name and I just wasn't there. No one would have noticed. Like everyone was kind of just left to their own devices to get their own kit as it came out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Go see the doctor themselves. Like no one's checking off people as they get here. Mm-hmm. But like to me, this is like a pretty layered problem because, you know, you shouldn't be getting told you're fighting a different rule set if you're in the ring, even if it was Mod Thai. Mm-hmm. But... You shouldn't be fighting fucking Mod Thai. So that's one of the problems. Like, if, you, if you're if you in the ring, like, because most of the, like, you know, obviously with one girl being local-ish and one girl coming from Canberra, the crowd support was on one side, so that's not really anything to go by. But a lot of the calls from the crowd were like, why don't you just fucking fight Mod Thai? Like, don't be a pussy. It's like, no, fuck you. Like, if you come to the ring to fight... Muay Thai, which is, there is only one. There's no mod, like, like I don't even like the term full Thai rules. Yeah. Like, it fucking annoys me now. It's because like Muay Thai or nothing, really. It's yeah, one. one Muay Thai, one sport. Like, like if you're telling, if I get in the ring <laughs> for my next fight and I got told, oh, this one was Muay Thai, bro, I'm saying, thank you, see you later. Yeah. Because that's the only way we get this shit sorted out. It's like, I'm fighting Muay Thai, not your bullshit. Like, I can't have been caught there before fighting, like, modified Thai rules fights that, I should have probably said no to and, and like you're getting all these p- situations and I won't go on about this for 20 minutes but where fighters are getting told like oh, just do it do you want to fight or not and it's like this is what we have to get past mm. is like you can't just say like well do you want the experience or not because it's like no fuck you again because that's you being lazy in your matchmaking and then kind of cornering someone to say well do you want the fight or not like to me this felt like a promoter that had two people wanting to fight two rule sets and going, it'll figure itself out. Mm. Someone's going to budge because these promoters, and I've had heaps of situations like this before, kind of go, well, you're not just going to not fight. And it's like, well, fuck you again. If you're tell- if you're changing the rules on me, maybe I will not fight. Like, mm. I think a-, a lot of people were like, you know, like saying to the girl who was wanting to fight full tie rules, was saying, fight is fight. Just take the elbow pads off and do it. It's like, no. You put the elbow pads on. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Fight is fight. 
Muay Thai. Like, she showed up for a Muay Thai fight. She trained for a Muay Thai fight. Like, I think... Because there was people saying, like, oh, eventually the Muay Thai camp agreed to fight Muay Thai. But, like, when they didn't say yes straight away, they alert the CSA to confusion. And then they'll just can the whole fight because there wasn't agreement. Mm. So it's still that side's fault. Mm. You know, like, as far as I'm concerned, the girl who was there ready to fight full-time rules was in the right... And not budging to go to Montai rules, which is a fucking pseudo sport, is not a problem. Mm. So like, and it was just such a joke because like, I guess this will carry us over to the rest of the story. <laughs> we're in the back, we're up next, and they just go, yeah, whatever, just skip that fight. You guys go out. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you go from there. But like, um, when you go into it a little bit deeper as well, because it's an amateur fight. It doesn't really come down to the CSA to make a decision. It's actually on the body. It's yeah. on like, you know, whoever's running the sanctioning and runs on them. So like, you know, I'm with, like, where we are, uh, like, you know, I'm on the board of um, New South Wales, uh, Muay Thai. So if it's an amateur fight, it will come down to us or the officials yeah. to decide what goes on. Luckily, we just only do full tight, so we'll never have this fucking problem. And everyone should be doing it. Like, I think there's like an old guard of like, you know, New South Wales was a kickboxing state yeah. um, back in the day until... The sport killed itself. And there's like um, the old guard of promoters that were doing kickboxing shows. These guys didn't want Muay Thai to come in to do that as well. They didn't like it. They wanted to keep with kickboxing. But then as the participation rate improved, and especially in the last few years when the work of Muay Thai New South Wales has built the demand for Muay Thai fights, they started to just budge and just go like, we'll put on Muay Thai too. But they have no interest in actually sanctioning it properly. They just allow it to be this clusterfuck of like, yeah, Muay Thai, Muay Thai, K1, all on the same show. And yeah, like, they're just continuously, just kind of like fanning the flames of this whole Muay Thai thing. And yeah, it's like, really as as like you think about like a ref or a judge as well, if you're going from a Muay Thai fight to a full Thai fight to a K1 to boxing fights in there, another thing with this card as well, the amateurs and pros were mixed together. Like usually the CSA say, you have to have your amateurs do the amateur card and then the pros do the pro card. Because like I said before, like when, when it goes in the pros, which we'll go into like we'll good segue into going our five our boy down went to the ring fort and then the other teams accept, oh no elbows and they go, go fuck yourself. Yeah. This was agreed a long time ago. And they go, No, we never agreed on elbows from there. And then he sends me a message later on, he goes, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like in terms of, like just want to put it behind me, but let's let's say like and he goes, here it says like it's meant to be more tight. And it says like, you know, Dion B rule M T. What does, what does that mean? What does, fuck, what does MT mean? That that means Muay Thai to me. Yeah. And that one is a profile. And on the, like the poster, it says Muay Thai on yeah. the poster with Dion's name and the other guys. And eventually it came down to because when it's a profile, it comes to the CSA. Yeah. It goes, what is it registered at? And they said, because uh, like eventually it goes, oh, we'll just fight K1 and the, pro, and the CSA goes, no, you can't. This is like, is this registered as a Muay Thai fight? You have to fight elbows. So it came to us and they guess like, where? Well, we're fighting elbows or what do you want to do? You want to fucking just cancel the bout and walk out? And then they ended up fighting. And then Dion ironically won by spinning, spinning elbow knockout. <laughs> yeah, but this was just so fucked up. Because the other corner, as soon as the fight started, he started calling for elbows. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> fuck's your problem? Like, it was just such a... Like, they got to the point where like... And I won't pretend like anything I did in this exchange was mature in any way. Like, And like, it gets out of hand a little bit. Especially when me... And my trainer Rowan are in the same place because between us we have the emotional maturity of a seven year old. So like <laughs> we were going off a lot, but like it's the same thing, like a uh, esteemed representative of this sanction was in the corner talking to us like, Come on guys, just let it go. Like, do you want your boy to get paid? And it's like, same thing. No, fuck you. Because like you can't just allow like this is the exact same issue we were just speaking about. You put a problem out and you just know that it's the way that it is. And then you just bank on the idea that he's going to fight. Like, he's not just going to go home. It's the same thing as when you go, this guy's going to miss weight, but the other guy's not going to turn it down. He wants to fight, he trains and stuff like that. And like, we can't keep putting our fighters in these positions where we go like, well, do you want to fight or not? It's like, well, I want to fight in this, the, the conditions that I agreed to, not just get like, like, you can't be in the ring and be informed that the rules are different. That's so fucking backward. And that everyone was trying to just kind of like push us that direction. It's just like, I think the response from us in the corner that people have to understand is like, we're not going to get pushed over because if you allow yourself to be pushed over in a situation like this, you just get pushed over more. 
people are always going to like. So it's like, ideally, this situation shows because like, we've never been in the interest of saying like, we won't fight in this sanction or that sanction because like, we know which ones are a little bit less desirable, but sometimes you just need to get your fighters fights and that's where the fights are. But like, you have to as a gym and as like, you know, coaches and trainers and things like that, let know, you call us, you're calling us with no bullshit. Like, we're not going to accept it, not going to take it. And if you want, and like, obviously people are falling for this shit and these crappy sanctions. Like, if you want people that are just going to get shoved over by you and be like, okay, it's a one tough fight now. Cool, don't fucking call us. Hmm. Because like, it's just like, when they're in the corner with us saying, what's the big deal? It's like, maybe you could isolate this as, it's just a fight with elbows and elbows, what's the big deal? But it's, a bigger problem. It's a bigger thing of like, this is my, you know, my teammate or, or my, you know, student or whoever's perspective it's from. That it's like, I'm not sending him in the ring for some bullshit because this is like, what I've been trying to kind of get across, like when I talk about this issue, like, cause I have been asked a couple of times, like, why were you so fucking angry in the corner? And it's like, <laughs> bullshit like this, like this sport is so fucking dangerous mm. and it's crap like this that gets people killed. Mm. For one, like, if I'm just going to send, like, my friend, like, like for example, like, me and Dion, uh, in particular, like, two of the OGs around here at this point, mm. I think, like, we've been training together, like, a long time, like, mm. six years, and, yeah, yeah, maybe even more now, mm. and it's like, I'm not going to be standing there on the corner with him, sending him out there, he's just going to do it, he's ready, like, and it's, his performance showed that, it's like, he's not worried about this bullshit, he's just ready to do what he's going to do, it's like, us in the corner are like the puppeteers of the situation that he's gone head first into. We're not going to be on the outside just like, yeah, he just go in there and do whatever he wants. Like, yeah. whatever you guys want. It's like, this is how we keep our boy safe and we and also like how we steer his career. Like, we're not putting him out there to go into a modified tie fight. Mm. Fuck that. Mm. That's not what we're about. That's not what we signed up for. So we're not going to be like, it's easy for us on the outside of the ring to just be like, yeah, whatever yeah. is cool. This is what he agreed to and what he trained for. And like, it's, our job to protect like kind of the integrity of this whole match. Mm. And it's like, yeah, if you're like, if you're a trainer and you're going to fall for some shit like that, like fix yourself mm. because like your students, like you have to extend this to the beginning. This is the exact same as being in a way and finding out your opponent missed by two kilos and just going, it's cool. My girl wants to fight. My girl wants to fight. Throw in there. That's your job. Like you can't be a pushover. Yeah. You have to be there going like, no, this is what we agreed to. And this is what we're going to do because your fighters can't speak for themselves in that position mm-hmm. and sometimes these sanctions will like, like that's exactly the thing like they come up to Dion the fighter and go it's cool if it's my time it's like no fuck you <laughs> like, you speak to the corner not the fighter because he will just say yes it's yeah. like any fighter is going yeah I, I want to fight and if you a lot of the like you know that night from there a lot of like the officials were coming up to the fighters which is just blatantly wrong wrong yeah, it's like you know like even they count to down before you go oh you you call for like another fight just goes in front of you because they just want to get it out yeah. and like you know and he said fuck off yeah. but like really it's like why do you feel the need to come up to my fighter who's like getting ready to fight yeah. without us present because yeah. when someone's like mm-hmm. getting ready to fight they will just allow us to push over because they don't want to create drama yeah. I've been there before like mm-hmm. I've been in positions I chose where someone goes you know like kind of corners me when a trainer's not there and goes like, hi, Nate, your opponent missed weight. Is that cool? And I was like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. I don't care. Because mm. like, I wasn't thinking about that. That's because that's someone else's job. Mm. So it's like, yeah, one of the other issues on the show, speaking to fighters about things and not corners, just mm. to try to like, get agreement when it's not really a fair agreement, things like that. Like, just a really fucking shit show. But then like, it blew up worse when the fight actually started. Like, this is where it just like, descended into just, yeah, like, just crap, like, chaos. Like, I was having a verbal argument with the opponent's corner, like, through the ring during the fight. Yeah. Like, we were just arguing back and forth. And then, like, there was a bit of communication between their corner and Dion during the fight. Mm. Like, and, and, like we weren't having a... Like, it's not even like we were arguing about anything good. Like, he just started speaking some bullshit. Like, oh, actually, we kicked the fight off. Is like, he started yelling at the referee that Dion was doing a foul, which he was not. So then I was correcting him on that foul and he just started abusing me across the ring. So naturally I just abused back. Like, mm. so we're just swearing at each other across the <laughs> ring. Like, that's us. I'm professional, mm. but like, I'm not the promoter. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And like, you know, I feel like, you know, the other guy, the guy that he fought as well, I feel sorry for him. Yeah. Because like really like, you know, he trained like, you know, probably think it's my type fight, he's coach and promoter. Probably just couldn't let him go like, you know, from there. 
probably not paying him anything as well. Got as it. Well. And really like, you know, he got knocked the fuck out. Crazy. And like, you know, from there, it's like, that's what we're talking about. Like this kind of stuff will lead to deaths. Yeah. Because like, you know, he's not prepared for, for a fight like this. And then, like, you know, then he gets thrown in and then, like, you know, he's just really going, fuck, I'm going to do this. And just quietly, this dude's been flatlined a bunch of times mm. on his promoter show. Like, there's no care in the matchmaking. Mm. Like, if he really, if, like, if, he, if this, this promoter and coach really cared about his fighter, he just would have gone, fuck it, pull it, man. Yeah. Like, he, he had absolutely nothing to gain to get, get this fight keep going ahead. Yeah, he didn't give a shit about his fighter. Mm. And, like, yeah, this was, and it was just... Such a fucking terrible show. Ah, so why were they so keen on having mod tie rules? Because it's just that, that from the, they're from that old era. Yeah, mm. of like basically, you know, there's like there's elbows are fucking boo boo. You know, you uh, can't. And then really, that comes down to it's like really, you're just not a good coach. Yeah, that's all it is. You're not a good coach. You don't know how to train elbows. And really, I'm coming from a background. I came from a kickboxing background, yeah. and I took it upon myself to fucking learn. Yeah. How to do it, and like fuck, and we're like one of the top Muay Thai gyms in New South Wales now, like without even having a Thai trainer here. Yeah, <laughs> no Thai influence whatsoever. Just we, learn. We just learn, like you know, we're just good learners, and like and, and good at coaching. That's also it is. the other issue is that these are old, like it's the old kickboxing guard <clears throat> that yeah. are realizing that there really is no kickboxing left in Australia. Um, yeah, pretty much, mm. and so rather than attempting to do... Like, Muay Thai Australia has done amazing work to de- develop Muay Thai. So rather than kickboxing, doing the same thing, like establishing a reputable sanction and just developing kickboxing, they just try to ride the coattails of the development of Muay Thai by just getting the Muay Thai fighters in and meeting in the middle on mod Thai rules. Whereas, like, like for example, Waco has done a really good job mm-hmm. with kickboxing. They're trying to develop kickboxing and create pathways to international events for our top-end kickboxers, but these guys aren't getting involved with that. They're just starting their own sanction and just meeting in the middle on mod tie rules because it's only about what money you can make this night. Mm. Like Muay Thai Australia putting on the nationals, trying to send people to worlds, trying to create mm. pathways for Muay Thai fighters. That's what Waco were doing for the kickboxing. Mm. These guys are just in the middle going, how can I make a, a couple thousand bucks today? Like yeah. I don't care about what happens to the whole sport. Mm. And really like, these guys are a, are a parasite on a good sport. It's like it's feels like you know one step forward, two steps back with these guys because every time there's some bad press, like this sanction that we were at, I have since I've been in this sport, which is not that long in the grand scheme of things. I think three all in brawls that made it to mainstream news. Um, like yeah, just this is the kind of crap that when you've got sanctions like Muay Thai Australia, and it's not a matter of like. This is my favorite sanction, and this is how I'm going to use other people's crap to make us look good. Like, I'm not, uh, I'm part of a Muay Thai Australia member gym, but I'm not involved in that sanction. I just think they're doing the best work. And it's like, this sanction, every time something fucking bad happens, it's there. And they're always going to go, it's not our sanction, you know, it was someone in the crowd. But why are all your crowds so bad? Why are all your member gyms so bad? Why are all the people like, at some point, someone in the sanction has to be going, man, everyone here is a piece of shit. Mm. Like, mm. And it's also with the sanction as well, like, because it's not like, it was like, they realize how fucking bad it was. So I guess they always go, it's not on us, it's the promoter. Quickly, they like, there was always a scapegoat. But really, the thing is like, well, if you know this promoter shit, why do you sanction them to do shows? Well, this was also. You know, not to uh, make it too obvious who the promoter was, the 151st promotion mm. of this show. So you're telling me it's shocking, like like his the, this promoter, like how his conduct is just like out of the blue mm. after working with him that many fucking times. Yeah, mm. fuck you. Yeah, I got a lot of I got a lot of messages after the Instagram post about this from other coaches, and then and like they're just like they're saying like, oh yeah, like yep, yeah, that sounds about right. Like mm. yeah, it's just no. And like, you know, I didn't know because I've never been on these shows before, ever. Yeah. And then I know, I go, ah, oh, now I know. And I know. Yeah. I even had like, <laughs> even like Anthony Manning and Gary goes, you should have talked to me beforehand. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I should have. Like, the best thing about being at one of these shows again, because like, I used to go to them a fair bit. Like, like, when I was coming up to the amateurs, I fought wherever there were fights and that benefited me. I got to be experienced, but now I'm a little bit more choosy. Um, it's nice to go to these shows and feel like the ship is sinking. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like to look around and go, yep, this is on the way out. This is going to be finished in not yeah. too long. There's a lot of things in motion here at the moment 
that's going on. And like, this is, I think this one in particular is the, the straw on the camel's back. Yep. It's like, there's, there's been other things that have been said as well in terms of like, they gave, they gave an idea of what their rules are. And then it's a combination of rules. I'm not going to say it, but like, it's really like, they're not allowed to do those rules. They're yeah. not. They're not actually sanctioned to do the the set of rules that they said that. Yeah. That they're doing a bastardized version. Yeah, of. they're kind of trying to say that, basically, their rule set is, you know, that they've copy and pasted it from a major sanctions rule set. Yeah. Which they're not allowed to do without agreement mm. from that sanction. They, yeah. Yeah. There's only there's only one one sanctions allowed to do these rule sets from that one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys auctioned off all your samurai swords because <laughs> your time's coming. <laughs> so yeah, like you know, going forward from this now, like really, I I I'm probably just gonna do MTA from now on. I'm not gonna do any of the promotion because, like, there there is other promoters that in other sanctions that I do truly believe they're doing good stuff. Yeah. And like you know, I wish them the best, but I just. After after that, I can't be associated. Yeah. With and it comes back to the same idea of like, why are we kind of not throwing names out? Because I've always been of the belief that there's good people in every sanction. Like I fought in every sanction operating in New South Wales and I, there are good shows in all of them. But it's just like, I implore people who are making moves in the right direction and have promising fighters, join the winning team. Like you're on a sinking ship. And also like, I go to these shows a lot and there are, there are a lot of like, regulars in the sanction like they, they you know the sanctions kind of superstars and sometimes I watch and I go this is quite a good fighter mm. you know like a good uh, upcoming promising talent that will go nowhere because they're locked into this bullshit system where it's like we'll just fight on the same shows over and over again and I'll slap a belt on you every single time mm. and you'll be the multiple time champion where it's just like you're collecting these paper achievements mm. and moving nowhere and not doing it and like less and less people are going to care about these shows because no one like that's the other thing about this is like, we've been spreading this. If we weren't there, no one would have heard about this stuff. Nah. No one gives a shit about these shows. They're just nothing shows. Yeah. It was like, it gets like to the point where people just go really like, like, oh, I just won't match people in the show. And that's fine. And that's what I'm going to do. But it's like, we got a platform to actually share it. And I think it's our duty really 100%, to, to, yeah. to like kind of really like, you know, like fuck this guy. Yeah. And really, cause like he's, he's cause like it's these type of shows that like when something goes bad and there's a death, it's going to not make his show look bad, it's going to make Muay Thai look bad. Yeah. And that's going to affect me, that's going to affect everything else that all the MTA guys have strived to achieve from that yeah. one because it's, going to, because it's going to lodge us in with the same as these pieces of shit. Yeah. So like, you know, that's like really what we're going to do is just going to put it on a blast but also do it in a manner where basically you've got to build a report yeah. And then from that, and like really, I urge anyone else if you like, if you experience shows and you're at shows and you see some shit, for fuck's sake, like, speak up, re- report yeah. it. Like, you know, go to CSA. This is what CSA is for. It's like you complain that CSA is not doing the right job. Well, how about you help them and actually point out the flaws that people are actually doing? But it's also like, I don't know what, like, crooked shit is going on. I don't know what it is. Like, let's not get into it, but like, there should have been fines going out to these sanction before in mass. So, like, it's time to just beat tattletales. Mm. Something comes up, tell the fucking CSA, because at this point, they're not really doing their jobs. Mm. Because, like, Muay Thai Australia has been fined before. Mm. Um, I believe at present is the only sanction operating mm. that does Muay Thai to have received a fine yeah. for misconduct. And it was for, like, some really shitty, like, just, you know, whatever, mm. logistical thing. Like, it wasn't, like, something as overt as what's going on in these mm. other shows. So it's like, it's time to just point them towards it and be like, all right, if you're here as like the watchdog of the sport, it's time to start doing it and shoving these people out the door. Mm-hmm. Because like, to me, to go to something like this, especially when there are, there's always, some people just end up at, you know, the gym that's close to their house is involved with the wrong people. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. But they're promising fighters and they deserve opportunities too. To me, to see honest Muay Thai practitioners getting on these shows, like it's heartbreaking to see people just chipping away and just keeping Muay Thai in the dark. Mm. When so much good work is getting done, mm. we just need to like, as someone who really feels like they're doing everything they can all the time to do little bits and pieces to grow Muay Thai, to just watch people go, yeah, fuck that. Mm. I want to make $500. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Fuck. Uh, well, see how that goes, you know, develop over time. But yeah, there you go. People wanted to know. That's it. That's what happened. That's what happened. That that like that's under the surface. There was so much more in the show as well. That was fucking alarming. But Damn like, me. Yeah, but like yeah, <laughs> but like you know, just 
But that's enough. That's enough to get the idea. No. Yeah. Uh, I heard about a good crowd comment. This was fed back to me. Yeah. So it was overheard in the crowd. There's some some spectator was saying to his mate, "Oh, the girl, the girl with the with the thick legs. She's gonna win." And he's like, "Why is that?" And he goes, "Oh, it's always the it's always the fighter, the girl fighter with the thicker legs that always wins." Um, he was wrong. <laughs> they were wrong. Thick fires, they yeah. save lives. Yeah, you know? yeah, Karina yeah. <laughs> That's good. Oh, there's one ring girl there as well. Oof. She, yeah. She should she should have took her pants off, man. Just, <laughs> she actually put them back on, actually. I think that was a few comments. Yeah, I thought that was it. It's like, ah, oh, come on, girl. That was an oddly dressed ring. Yeah, but. Uh, yes. I think, like, I always have to say, ring, ring girls are a thing of the past. Get rid of the ring girls. It's trashy. Why don't yeah. they have ring guys? I've always wondered that. Mm-hmm. They could do it. They could. Yeah, that's a quality. I just think get rid of rigged people. Like, yeah. <laughs> just tell people what round it is. That's yeah, it. Mm. But uh, yeah, cool. So when we come back, we'll come back to our break uh, breakdown preview section. If you're sticking around for it, maybe you just got what you wanted. And they go, ah, that's enough. But, um, but, uh, so we talk about uh, UFC 241. Um, and we also do the recap on like, yeah, one, uh, was it Dreams of Gold? That next. Sure. <laughs> This is the Enter the Double Dragon Podcast. All right, welcome back. So this is uh, like, you know, a recap of like some of the fights that happened over the weekend. There isn't really much going on in the coming weekend up, like unless you like Bellator. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Can we not watch Bellator in this country? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to the one card. Let me pull it up. So one championship had a card. It was their Bangkok card from there, um, Dreams of Gold. So let's work our way up the card a little bit. So we'll just quickly go over it because, like, his voice is just just staying with us. My voice <laughs> is still good. <laughs> so one of the first Muay Thai fights on here was Ramazanov versus uh, Topic. And, man, this, this, was really, this was a good fight, like, in terms of, like, what we, we already talked about is, like, the contrasting style of Ramazanov. It was, like, unpredictable, explosive, long. Long. Long? Like just stupid long. Yeah, and like urgent topic from there. Like usually comes in like he, like he usually comes in like the bigger person from there. But goddamn, he was not the bigger person. No. This fight. And like um, topic itself, like you know, just gonna start like you know, it's very like you know, it's, it's like strong on the base, power shot kind of yeah. stuff. And like you know, tries to be like that unmovable object. You yeah. Know? But like uh, yeah, Rome is on off. Like like you know, really good tape game. Tape game, yeah. Um, faking the tape into punches as well. Like, it's really good. Like, he's, like, almost charging behind it a little bit. Yeah. For the one-two. It was, like, strong, though, like, fucking, like, 300 kick. Like, yeah. Oh. Mm. But, like, yeah, it was, like, really, like, you know, booting, like, yeah. topic off. And then when he started, like, you know, thinking it was a tape, he was, like, actually doing, like, almost like that bock, like, coming in behind yeah. it, like, with the one-two and fucking zinged him. Yeah, and yeah. I even think the finishing shot was, like, because, like, one of the knockdowns came off the back of, like, like he was just... It was a teep, but it was not like a reactive teep. Like it was like a stomp and push through, just yeah. like firing around the, the cage kind of teep. And then like one of the knockdowns came off. It was like he was just setting it over and over again to the body, really doing damage with it. And then he fired it up to the face and then like started a flurry off of that. Yeah. And then I think like what he found was like, yeah, faking off it, but it was also really using that rear leg one. So he'd fake the rear leg teep, then drop down into the opposite stance. Yeah. And then Throw the left cross was really nice because mm. Toby he loves those like he likes those kind of burst in behind fakes on the hips but like so kind of just show a little kick come in like oftentimes trips and stuff or what come off of that but like Alberti was just like so set in his but he was just kind of arc over the top of Toby as he did like not buying it at all mm. yeah just really just shut him down yeah you know? but then like uh, Toby also likes like burst exit like kind of like long guard and pull out and that's just where like. Although his frame is just no good for that, because like you skirt out, but you're still at range for just those long, mm. straight, almost punching down. Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah, sweet finish, Ramaz. I think Ramazanov's like kind of the sleeper in one. Yeah, I always enjoy watching him. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. So Ramazanov won that by yeah, pretty much knockout. First round. Yeah, I was like three. Uh, I think it's a no- three knockdown rule, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So in the first round, three knockdowns and one, then you're done. But I don't think Turbish would have gone up. Nah, either, no. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, he shouldn't have. <laughs> All right, so going from that now, uh, next one from there. So we had uh, Bang Pling Noi, Betchen D Academy versus Liam Nolan from the UK. Um, I didn't see this fight. Good fight. Good yeah, fight. interesting fight. Like Bang Pling Noi got the win. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I haven't been back to watch all of them again, but I, it looked to me like a quite like a busy start uh, from Liam Nolan. And he got a lot of handwork done, and then it just kind of became that separator. Of, like uh, there was like kind of a lot of trips from Bang Pling Noi towards the end. Mm-hmm. Also, it just became that matter of like, 
Lee Miller was kind of setting volume, but just wasn't dealing with just like the more powerful counters coming back. Kind of like just that set feet and single shot. Bang mm-hmm. Plino did a lot of good work with his kicks. Yeah, good fight. Good. Like, it was kind of one of those spots where both guys had their hands up at the end. And, mm-hmm. uh, Miller complained a little, but yeah, I just think yeah. it was just like more precision and more powerful shots coming through. Mm-hmm. Often just all volume. Yeah, it's good. Like, interesting note about this event as well. Like, you know, like all the, like, except for like the main card fights, like, you know, the, the K1, I mean, so the kickboxing Grand Prix ones, like the, the big ones, but it was in the, it was in the cage. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, doesn't like, shouldn't you have, like, if you start off in the ring, that's what shouldn't I you continue all the way through into the ring? Yeah. yeah. But like they, they had the cage in Thailand, which I found really interesting because there wasn't really a lot of MMA fights, unless yeah. they were just doing for stamp, but. Yeah, I don't know about That's that. That's surprising they moved yeah. to the cage, especially in Bangkok. Was it well, Bangkok? I thought, yeah. yeah, generally when they go to Thailand, they have used the ring, mm-hmm. you know, which would be understandable, like, for the local market and more accustomed to the ring. But also, like, yeah, bizarre that you can have a tournament that starts in a ring and then has mm. semifinals in a cage. cage. And then, so what's next to the final? Just a race platform, <laughs> a mode of sharks. Yeah. <laughs> then, With sparks coming at the ground. That's it. So we're changing the sander rules now as well. All right. <laughs> All right, so going up from that, so we had uh, Michael Savas uh, versus Led Silla. Uh, unfortunate, this match. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of like the anti-climax. Of that. Like, this was like such an exciting match. Like, uh, I won't go into why, like, because we did that in the breakdown, but like, we were all really looking forward to this one in the Muay Thai community. Savas is like, I think a lot of people's favorite Western fighter right now for good reason. One of the top Westerners in the game as far as in the actual Thailand ranks. Like, he's a ranked Roger Dunbird stadium fighter. An interesting start between uh, him and Lodzilla. Like, Zavas has a lot of frame for Lodzilla to figure out. But Lodzilla wasn't really, like, getting off with anything ultra-significant either. They were kind of just figuring each other out. And then uh, Lodzilla just caught a kick and, and swept Zavas and, and he stuck his hand out and landed on his palm and just completely dislocated oh. his elbow. It was disgusting. Like, you couldn't really see it at first. Like, he just landed it. And you could see as soon as he landed that some kind of injury had occurred and he wasn't going to get back up. But you couldn't exactly see why. I thought it was his shoulder more so at first. Like he'd just been kind of dropped awkwardly on the shoulder. But then when they played the replay, you see him kind of, for some reason, a little bit of a rookie error actually, yeah. post out on his arm and just his weight come over the top and snap. So not really, like hopefully um, Zavas recovers mm-hmm. as quick as he can. I can't imagine it'll be quick. No. Um, but yeah, just, you know, good to see. I mean, and then Lodzilla gets on the mic and says, he wants a shot at the title in one, and I'd love to see it because mm-hmm. is one of the all-time greats. But yeah, just I'm like I mean, more than anything, like a fair win to Lodzilla. Like you know, sweeps can be damaging techniques if you know how to use them. But uh, uh, disappointing to see someone as hot, you know, as red hot as Savas, yeah. get stuffed with an injury like that. So. Yeah. All the best, all the best. Yeah, like you know, in more time from there, they don't really teach you the break fall because like you know. You don't want to like make the score look bigger than it is. Yeah. Even though it's a bit safer, but like, yeah, it's, it's like you know the crutch sometimes. I also know. think there is an issue of like the way the MMA glove allows you to extend your palm out. Bring if back. that was a ten ounce boxing glove, you'd kind of just bounce and roll over it. Mm. Um, that's how I'm looking at it. Maybe that's because the wrist doesn't bend. Yeah, the, the, there's a lot more wrist uh, kind of mm. flex there that you're just not used to after fighting in ten ounce gloves. Mm. So that would kind of be uh, it's a little bit difficult to kind of describe, but I can see how. If that was your go-to in a 10-ounce glove, it would be a little different. It's just something to... Uh, mm-hmm. Just another consideration fighting Muay Thai in 4-ounce mm-hmm. gloves. It's, it's a whole new sport, really. Yeah. Bit of a point of contention. A lot of people don't like it, actually. I have to learn how to break fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so going up from that one, next bout. So uh, we had Mong Tai versus uh, Kente Yamada. Fight of the night for me. Yeah. This was, was a sick really fight. good fight. Like, you know... Wong Tai is like known for the elbow games, which he did use, but he had a really sweet left yeah. straight that goes down the middle. And like he might have like, yeah, yeah, good counting himself as well. Yeah. Like he's like, you got fucking really belted sometimes. Yeah. Especially in the last round. But like, you know, he fired back a fair bit as well, off of this as well. Like, you know, it wasn't easy to deter him. No, no. Mm. I really love the way as well uh Mong Tai would kind of just uh trap out of his lead mm. side just to only give um because like Yamato was so bouncy that like uh, it's another it's, it's another kind of fun thing with someone like Montai having like the grip like that sort of wrist grip that they can have with a, an open finger glove yeah. would just kind of tie that hand up a lot and only give him one way to burst to and then fire that left straight over the top it was really nice because he would like to go kind of one way or the other but then would kind of just get that sticky hand mm. he'd be tied up 
yeah. from Mungtai's lead side, and then his only way to burst in, because he wasn't going to try to exit disengage, this is not really his style, he might have well try to burst in, and then uh, Mungtai just had such a good feel of that angle to just roll that like ultra-corked, t- real Thai-style left yeah. hand, like that straight, almost downward punch like mm-hmm. over the top, and then as he started to make space, that would be left hand, and then fire that left kick. Mm-hmm. Just a, a, like a good example of just framing and just forcing someone to move to the favorable angle and then just lining your shots up. Sweet fight by Montaigne. The, the activity level just crept up and up and up through this fight. It was really fast-paced last round especially. Mm-hmm. Awesome fight. I recommend watch that one. It was kind of buried on the card. but Yeah, no, it was fun. really good. Like I said, yeah, definitely fight at night. Um, so let's go into this. So like, yeah, so we're going to like now the, the semifinals of the kickboxing, uh, the, the featherweight kickboxing Grand Prix. So we had Sammy Sansa versus Jabba Askarov. And like, yeah, like Sammy Sansa, man, like the dark horse, like really like showed from there and like, you know, really like made Jabba had to run. Yeah. Fair bit, like, which is like, you know, not Jabba's game usually. Yeah. And he's like, he was just like, I could see the idea of him like Jabba trying to circle off. And like you know, make it hard for Sansa like to get any kind of straight line attack. You know, use the knees, use his long reach. Yeah, that one. But like Sansa really just pinned him against the fence. Like, yeah, a masterclass in cage cutting. Like I think mm-hmm. a lot of MMA dudes could watch this mm-hmm. because like the, this was elite level ring generalship applied to the cage setting, mm-hmm. and it was just like the footing was masterful. And that initial uh, right straight knockdown was just absolutely sublime. Yeah. Just fired Jabba into the cage. Well, it was like, they say, like, you know, the, the cage doesn't have corners. You can't corner it. But Jabba ran into a corner. Yeah. Like, there's like, there's, like the, the padding that actually, he was circling off, ran into the pad. He got stuck for a second and Santa just goes, whack. Yeah. Down the middle and just caught him on that one. Which I found really interesting because I've never seen that before. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I don't know if that's like, like that's a padding issue in the cage or like that, but like, or it's like, you know, it's one of those things to go, that might be like a, a gameplay that no one's ever actually kind of thought about and yeah. might use in the future as well. But like Sansa, like going through now into the grand final, that it's like if you thought about at the start, I wouldn't have picked this. Especially because uh, the other side of the bracket didn't even make it through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about that enough too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's go into the other side, like of the grand, uh, the semifinals from there. So we're smoking Joe Nadawa versus. The doctor, Georgia Petrosian from there. And like, um, yeah, this this one ended pretty quick. Like yeah. Yeah, from that one, like Petrosian just unhooked the really sweet left straight. Yeah, the shortest of short left hands. Yeah. Like absolutely unreal. He just like we talked about this before with Petrosian. He's a hard guy to have a rematch against because mm-hmm. he's a fight IQ and just his data gathering is so good. And it's like you see like by the end of like the first time he fought Smoker Joe, he was chasing Smoker Joe. Mm. And he did this like from the offset and like he was actually throwing himself out of position a lot more than you see Giorgio mm. do, but it was just a disdainful kind of fight. Like, but it was also like tactically, he would throw himself so far over that like Nadal couldn't resist firing back, and that's how he tied him up at that mid range to just shoot that left straight down the middle. Just like, yeah, and, you know, <clears throat> Petrosian had the quickest turnaround for this mm. uh, tournament. There's all that tournament tactics. It's like he did the right thing. He got uh, Smoker Joe out of there quickly. Yeah, minimal damage. Yeah, yeah, no damage at all, really. Yeah. And, like, now that sets up the grand final. Sammy Sansa versus Joey Petrosian, and that's fucking lit. That's, that's a, a sweet fight. I think match. that's going to be on this Tokyo card. Uh, it's going to be the 100th one show. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It's like, going to be two cards, whew. 11 fights each. God damn. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my and they're both going to have, like, multiple world title headliners, like... I guess they're just calling everybody. So like, we're, we're going to run until 5 o'clock in the morning. At this, yeah, point. this is why I've got to jump through cards now. I can't do it. Well, the thing <laughs> I, I hate the most it. about it is I know I'm going to stay up and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm asleep by midnight. <laughs> uh, let's go into the main events card. So we had a flyweight uh, kickboxing world title defense. Uh, Pechadam uh, Kameny, the, the reigning champ versus um, making his debut in one as well, uh, Elias Inahachi. From the Netherlands, I think. Yeah, Netherlands. Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, and like, this is a really interesting watch because, like, you know, how Inahachi like took this. I've never seen anyone like approach Petrodam in this way. Yeah, me neither. It's like that very like bouncy kind of kickboxing style. Yeah. Well, I think this fight, in a lot of ways, was a good example of poor talent development uh, by one because they went and found like so. Petrodam's the dude in this fight. It's his hometown. He has the kickboxing title because the Muay Thai title wasn't available at one time, so mm-hmm. they just needed a belt to give him. And they've paid a lot of attention to making Petzal one of their stars. They need someone to fight him because they're in Bangkok. And they call a dude who they have not developed at all. He's making his debut. But 
is a legitimate world-class kickboxer. Mm. Petrov's had three kickboxing fights. Like, it's it's fair that he's the kickboxing world champion there. He got the wins for it, but like he's not a natural kickboxer. Mm. So you're kind of really building this fight as like, he's going to be Petrov's next victim. And then putting him in with a dude that could legitimately give him a run for his money, and did. Yeah. And now you've got a champion that you've never made any effort to promote. Mm. Like It's just like a bit of a stuck spot. Like Just why it's safer to just make more legitimate matches. Like, mm. it's very hard. Like, they did the right thing not just giving Pet Dummy can, but a difficult spot to be in when, like, the dude that you needed to be your champion is not your champion anymore. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, I find it, by, like, you know, in a Hachi style, so I was watching it from there. Like, if he, if he, I haven't seen him before, he probably fights the same, but, like, he always had this thing, like, he'd go, like, move, move, bang, bang. Move, yeah, move, like it, it was always the same rhythm, but like Petrov didn't really pick up on it. It's fine. Yeah. But it's hard to pick. It's fucking because you see him go, oh, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. And they had this really little sweet game, like we talked about before, like you know, because it was like a, it was an open guard exchange. I'm pretty sure yep. most of the time, where it's like you know he'll kick the outside leg and then quickly whip it back and basically kick uh, Pet down in the back of the head. Yeah, it was sweet. Like it's like he almost sweep the front leg out just enough, just knock it off, and then. Just like, yeah, hit him sweet a couple of times in the back of the dome. Yeah, sweet job just putting pets on off position a little bit. Just those little unsettling, unsettling motions like that. And like, that looked like a rattle pet on a bit. It was like, it was fucking yeah. pretty good shin across the back of the head. Yeah. But where we're speeding around this area, like, we haven't seen anyone do as good a job like this of approaching the range of a funny pet on. Like, pet on has caught everyone with his left kick. Mm. Because everyone's kind of objective, in particular in a kickboxing fight, is to press in and smother the kick which often gets you kicked because his footwork is good and, like, he's good at just holding that kick in range and firing the kick high. Whereas, like, uh, Inachi just kind of went, stayed outside kicking range. Like, he was hopping heaps on his feet and staying way outside, like, too far away to get kicked. Mm. So it was Petam that had to cover distance to kick and that's where he would catch Petam kind of, like, off-centering himself because he chambers those kicks so much because mm. he's so confident in them. That's where you kind of have Pet Dom just overthrown because he's so bouncy that he'll slide out as the kick of ill fake to make Pet Dom think he's coming in. And then the kick comes, then he hops way back out, then bounces in as Pet Dom's overextended off position. Mm. And it's in those exchanges that he kind of established that Pet Dom doesn't really have a boxing game. Nah, he's just like covered up and put his head down. Yeah, it was just because he just puts the forearms up and, and looks to kick again, but he was too good at off-settling, so he wasn't there to be kicked and then just firing round punches around the guard. Really sweet performance, and I'm looking forward to seeing that guy fight more. Yeah, definitely. I don't know who'd be up next for him then, like you know, in that division, flyweight kickboxing. I don't know about the kickboxing; it's the rule distinction that gets yeah. me. Mm. Um, <coughs> you know, uh, Josh Turner would be fun if he yeah. wants to do it. I'd like to see the Aussies in these fights. Mm-hmm. Um, Rod Tang would be cool. I know who'll kickbox. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit, does he? <laughs> no, he's, he's a good kickboxer. Yeah. I he's, he's, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, for tension to like, you know, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for Yuki as well. And like, yeah. did really well. Like, a lot of like, of this, he applies himself to like, that kickboxing clinching very well. Like, that, that more traditionally boxing style mm. forearm fighting. Very yeah. interesting kickboxing style. Mm. Nice. I'm down with that. I just love Rod Tango. Yeah, it doesn't. All right, so let's just go from there. Let's go into the UFC MMA world. Um, so they had the event over the weekend. Uh, it was UFC 241, Cormier versus Miocic. Number two, rematch yeah. from there. Um, was there anywhere you guys wanted to start in this one? Was there any undercard fights that you reckon need to talk about? There was no, didn't really moment? catch the undercard. Yeah. I just stuck to the main event yeah, for this one. look, like the, the, the top three fights were really fucking good. Yeah. They were really good. Like, um, let's start with this. So, like, you had Polo Costa versus Yolo Romero. Um, and, like, you know, like, the, at the end of this fight, there's, like, a lot of contention, like, you know, who fought one from there. Like, I fought, like, I, I, I fought Polo Costa one mm. from that one. It's like, you know, I can see the case making Yolo Romero win. Yeah. I just kind of did more so, like, on the damage side of things, like, who was landing the bigger shots. Like, you know, um, Yolo Romero, tough motherfucker. Tough. Jesus Christ, he got belted a fair Dude's bit yeah, in, yeah. That fir- in that first round from yeah. that one. And he gave a bit back to Costa. But like, he didn't, wasn't like, he was out the whole time and came back. He got 
knocked around a fair bit, like with the punches, punch exchange there, and like a sweet knee as well. Yeah. And that one, and like, uh, but then he came back, like, and it didn't seem like he rattled him, and he just came, and he really came back at Costa. Yeah, it's, it's almost like they're playing possum with each other. I like, it was a. There was a few moments in the first round. I thought Romero was cooked. Yeah, and then he just he just fucking blitzed back at him. And Noel then... does that though. Like he just has that rhythm control. He'll just weigh down, down, mm. down, entice you to come in. And it's just like he's just. Like, it's like in video games where like you gotta stop for a little while while you do recharges his energy bar and then just says like ba 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 ba. He must have a bit of head movement, but I couldn't tell because his neck is so thick. <laughs> <laughs> look at yeah. the, you look at the juggernaut. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> juggernaut. Um, but like yeah, no, yo, he uh, came back through. Like you know, he's like using some good box. Like you know, like mostly kind of just like just sniping at Costa, and but Costa like you know was like kind of just like lining up the shot, bigger yeah. pe- bigger shots. So like like I said, like that's how the rest of the fight really went. Um, yo, Romero, I think got a takedown at the second end, round end of the second. and the third. I, round I thought as well. he, I thought he took the second round. Mm, yeah. I mean, you could argue that he didn't. I, I thought it was Costa in the first and the third. Mm. But I think Romero kind of snuck through on the second. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, um, but like, it, I put the, uh, the Romero looks good because like he's, he actually looked good. It was mm. like, it's like it was really improved, like, you know, in terms of he wasn't too crazy with like over defending and like, you know, like um, just throwing absolutely wild shots. He was pretty measured and he was like picking, like I said, sniping the shots. He wasn't landing anything major, like a huge, but he was like kind of racking it up a bit. I just, like I said, I, I just kind of get cost him more so the win because, like, um, he was just telling, telling the land, more landing, yeah. uh, telling shots. But Romero, he didn't guess like I thought he would either. He he, he fought conservatively, more or less, yeah. towards the end. I think that's more so because, like I said, like, he was just taking more sniping shots into, like, mm. you know, him kind of waiting, 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 and then just some sort of, like, miracle shot. Yeah. And from there, like, you know, that kind of, that helps, like, you know, you know um, progress his game, especially, like, you know, Fuck, what is it, 42? 42. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 42. Jacked as shit. <laughs> like, you know, like... Millions in the back. <laughs> yeah, like, what more could he want? <laughs> I wish and, I had some tainted supplements. It's like, you know, and it's the same thing, but it's like, oh, fuck, why is he still fighting? But yeah. If he likes it, he likes it, I guess. Yeah. From there, and like, you know, this is like, it looks like it's progressing into that part of the game, like more of a veteran kind of game as well. But also, like, you know, just like the old Don Dasso. Like he likes to do from there. Like there's always those little crafty tricks. They just like you that's very true. Cheat, like, yeah, yeah, just cheat just enough. I know, he, I know, he lost that fight, but Romero, he's still at the top. He's yeah. got to oh, be yeah. at the top still. Oh yeah, definitely. Scary dude. Yeah. Scary dude. Okay, maybe just time. Like as he gets older, like just bounce up to two or five. Yeah. Well, he, he he kind of shut that down. He goes, nah, he's not interested in doing it. But I was like, why not? Yeah. Like you know, it's like get some of the dudes up there. Like, oh, that speed, especially because the speed would carry. Yeah. He'd be faster up there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, faster and like his power would carry over. Carry over. Like, fine. Yeah. And it's like, um, and like really, it's, it's not like the wrestling is a huge part of his game either. Like he'll just, I'll use it if I have to. But like it's like it's not like he's like he's there he's trying to shoot takedowns. Yeah. He's just like I've wrestled enough in my life. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't lean on it, does he? No, nah, doesn't yeah. lean on it. And that's why, like as well, like probably goes into like the. Like conserving his energy because like you think like wrestling really fucking hard. Mm, like you yeah. know, like you know, unless you're like a Khabib where you wrestle enough that you're basically just sitting on top of the dude mm, the yeah. rest of the time. But but if you're kind of doing hard wrestling all the time, scrambles and a lot of foul shots, like it fuck like, it, it just cooks you. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> all right. So off from that one, uh, the one above that. So there, yeah. So we had yeah Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis, and it was funny. I was watching uh, Anthony Pettis from there. Go. I don't think someone's been watching Barry, Barry Robertson. He's <laughs> like, just doing like a lot of like the controls and like you know pivot outs and things like that that I kind of seen before. I've seen that before. Interesting game plan. That um, Nate Diaz. Um, fuck yeah, he took some damage in the first round as well. He does that. Mm. Yeah, and and like he even said before, it was like you know he's, he goes oh like you know a little bit rusty. My energy management wasn't as good. And but I was I was hearing comments also as well like you know about heavy hands like like maybe like you know. Um, Nate Diaz, like, you know, he was always known for his gas tank from yeah. there. Is it like, you know, is it like maybe the new crop of people are passing him because like basically they're just better athletes nowadays. Yeah. From there. So it's like, so his gas tank is not so much a factor anymore. I don't think it was as rusty as they said though. Mm. I, I didn't, I didn't, watching the fight, I, when I was on the podcast before, I was one of the ones that said, yeah, he's probably going to have a bit of rust and he's been on the yeah. shelf for a while. But watching him fight, I was actually surprised about how spry he really was. Mm. It was interesting as well to hear him. Like we were saying before, this was like the most kind of like an introspective Nate Diaz has ever been. Like 
He's very honest in his post-fight kind of interviews. Not the immediate post-fight interview, but the post-fight press. And was like, yeah, uh, not uh, super hostile towards anyone. Like, usually, like, Adelaide days, you just get uh, self-affirmative stuff and hostility. Like, where he was actually quite uh, willing to expand on things. And one of the things he said was, like, uh, he was conscious in this camp of becoming more of a three-round fighter mm. and starting to do a three-round gas tank where, uh, because sometimes <coughs> both Diaz brothers come on strong late, but they're like, I spilled a lead a little bit too mm. much and he kind of made himself too tired with some unnecessary tension for trying to force the fight straight away. Yeah. And possibly for this specific match, uh, his kind of original pacing, mm. his standard pacing might have actually served him better. Yeah. So interesting take, because it is different. When, but like, mm. The other thing with that is like it's not like Diaz was like a world champion, had 12 defences, he's always done three-rounders. Yeah. Yeah. He said they got really used to five-rounders, it's like, he had one. Yeah, <laughs> one, one, yeah that's one. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, like, Pettis is always, like, the big hardest game from there, it's like, yeah. But, like, Pettis, and it's like, 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 he was landing that right hand, like, a fair fit in that first few rounds. And, like, yeah, like, you know, think about the low kick as well. Um, and, like, you know, Nate Diaz is, like, always vulnerable for the low kick, but there was a time that he did check, and I think it fucked Pettis' foot. Yeah. Like, afterwards, like, he goes, oh, thanks for breaking my foot, homie. Yeah. <laughs> In an Instagram foot. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then he said, yeah. yeah, fair enough. But, like, um, but yeah, there was one check there. I saw, I go, oh, yeah, that one sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs> he, he didn't go back to that kick for a while after that. Um, but, like, it's the same thing, like, uh, with Diaz from there, like, really, like, where he... Where he made his games was like he's a good clinch fighter. Yeah. Like, you know, Pettis was there, like he had his back against Ben and like yeah, he was doing some good clinch, but like Diaz was just getting his head in position better, doing the control bicep controls and kneeing really good as well. Like he'd like dirty box as well, but yeah. like there's times like there he's fucking just kneeing like yeah, Pettis clinch really game good. like like he had a, a good clinch game in more of like a a boxing clinching sense of just sitting your way over and find shots, but like yeah. His clinch game looked pretty good. Like, I've never seen him, yeah, set for knees like that before. Yeah, set for knees, uh, back in the posture and, like, fucking knee Pettis in the head a few times yeah. as well, using that frame. Um, <clears throat> the ground exchanges from there, how do they look to you? They look pretty yeah. slick. I mean, Diaz has got really good jiu-jitsu, and when he, when he got to um, Pettis' back, I thought, oh, yeah, he's, he's fucked now. He's all over. But Pettis has got really good escapes and really good defense. I was actually surprised about how, how quickly... And I wouldn't say easily, but, you know, considering it was Diaz he's against, it was relatively easy. He reversed his <laughs> positions and, you know, he went from having his back taken to, to turning into um, Diaz and um, just ending up in his clothes guard on top. Mm. So, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. They were both pretty good on the ground. Yeah, like, a, like it was a really good fight. Like, um, in the third round, especially from there, like, there was like a time this goes, like, could we, could we wave this off a little bit? Like, yeah. he was like, you know, like, he got, like, you know, Pettis was getting stunned clean, and he was, like, he was doing the one where he was bending down, and he was literally turning his back. Yeah. But Diaz, I go, yeah. oh. Yeah. That's not a good, that's not an intelligent defense. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot in MMA to warrant non-intelligent defense, when you really think about it, mm. compared to other sports. Like, just because of, like, how far the fight can go, as far as, like, the different ranges it can carry, like, going all the way to the ground, stuff, like, in boxing, if you turn around, yeah. they'll wave the fight off. Mm. But in MMA, it's like, yeah. Because like, like you have to kind of let it go a little bit more, but like if someone does that, they're done. Yeah. yeah. Like the only person I've ever seen anything do anything with is like Tony. Like it was actually Pettis versus Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Tony's back, but he actually rolled down and goes for a knee bar. Yeah. Why got clocked? It's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more fine to know the difference. Like, is he turning around for some like sweet roll or, yeah. or something, or is he just yeah? Fuck. So like with Pettis, though, you could see he's like he he just he was bending down protecting his head because he just got like sweet. Yeah. So he got just hit clean. Yeah. <clears throat> and just and just ran around just like oh no nope, that's not good. Yeah. But like um t- like you know came back and like you know still finished the fight off but like at the end um yeah Diaz took the decision I thought it was a pretty clear decision really yeah that one yeah it was like it was a really good fight and like and fuck for this fight card none of my picks. <laughs> like, all my picks went into the bin <laughs> that one and like yeah I give I give Diaz more credit than you like fuck you look really good yeah now it's like now he was calling out like you know a gangster versus gangster match him versus uh, Mastodal Mastodal yeah everyone was like, like as soon as he said it I was like yes please I love that he said in the interview like I want to <coughs> I've been <laughs> I was gone because everybody sucked yes <laughs> and then he said um, but now I want to defend this belt against Jorge Masvidal and then no one questioned it he's a gangster then, but he's not a west coast gangster then at the press conference yeah. they said uh, you mentioned in the post interview you want to defend your belt against Jorge Masvidal 
What belt are you talking about? He's like, oh, I, I want to defend the baddest motherfucker in the game, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. And Jorge Masvidal is the only other gangster in the sport. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, like, the, the post-fight afterwards, like, when he's actually sitting up there in the booth with, like, everyone, like, and he's looking at his fight, and this guy, look at you, dude. He goes, oh, look at your boy. He's looking at you. But he also did stuff as well. He goes, look, um, we need to go back and get the criticism that I need. Yeah. Like, you know, and sort some shit out. Like, you know, he was like, like, you know, he usually carries on and goes, fuck yeah, 420. <laughs> from that. But like, he's just like, he was pretty, yeah, like I said, pretty introspective about stuff. He goes, yeah, like there's a lot of stuff here that needs to be fixed. Yeah. And we're going to go back and fix it. And then we're going to fuck up all game Masvidal. <laughs> yeah. But I've never, like when he called out Masvidal at the of the fight, they put the camera on him in the crown. He was like, oh yeah, thumbs Ooh, up. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen dollar signs yeah. actually physically <laughs> light up in somebody's eyes before. I've only seen it in cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, hey, he said he wanted Connor. But then he's like, after that, it's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that for yeah. it. Yeah. Give me somebody who's actually here. <laughs> all right. And now Connor's also weaseled his way in as well to be like, nah, let's do it again. Yeah, he posts it on Instagram. Oh, God. Just whizzling away. Well, I think like the three, however many years, is he getting old that much? Mm. Anniversary of the second fight came up. He posted about that, like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. What if we ever do it again? Yeah, like, you know, as soon as I'm finished beating this old man in the pub for yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> I'm going to beat up another jury But Diaz is a good way of sneaking his way back into being the A-side. Yeah. Like, he didn't mention McGregor, which was a good call. Mm. Um, brought up someone else who's timely and the fight makes sense. You know what? Now it's like, McGregor can break him. It's like, yeah, fuck. <clears throat> All right, let's go to the top card. So the main event here was a, was a rematch. So Stipe Miocic versus uh, Daniel Cormier, DC. And, like, really, it's like... Um, First three rounds, like, you know, fucking Steve was just catching a beating. Yeah. It's like I saw a gift of basically what was this was the Steve game plan, like the home assistance one. Like, Keep hitting you till he gets tired. And really, this is what fucking happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, like, you know, Steve, like, um, like, has got that kind of weird boxing, like, hand control game. Like, you know, it's, it's like, Hand controlling, jab, hand control, jab, and then just like the, sh- the short, like, little over, over, right, uh, right overhands from there. Um, didn't really use his wrestling ever. He used it once, but you could see like got really tired from it. Yeah, like well, he wrestled. Like it was, it was hard to get down. Yeah. yeah, like he was having to single for a long time. He got it eventually. It took a while, but then like he basically just lifted him over the body there. And stood there for a little while. <laughs> yeah, because like, like he was time. deliberately trying to tire himself out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's smart than this fact. Like you know, like some people, like as we've seen before, like they do that position where like you know basically you pick the dude up and he's like his head near your ass, kind of hanging on there. Like he's like some people just backflip it. Yeah. Yeah. And we I think we actually seen someone knock themselves out in UFC doing that as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> but like um these were smart about like you guys like oh, I'm not gonna lose position here and then Stepe crawled up a bit and as soon as he crawled up I was almost went to like that fireman carry throat. Yeah. Dumped him on the ground and basically like landed in for like a nail belly kind of position. It was very slick. Yeah, he led with his good. shoulder so he wasn't gonna knock himself out and he just mm. had a really good position mm. when he hit the landing. But like you could see like in like we were talking about before, like with your Romero, like you know, like didn't do too much wrestling because like it probably tires him out. Like but you could see after that wrestling exchange there, DC never went to it again. It's just like you can see, like guys, that was harder than it should have been. It's mm. <laughs> like, it's like, and this is a five round fight, and this dude's still here. So, yeah. um, but like, yeah, like, yeah, Steve Bain was like, like literally, he was getting belted. He was like a bit there, but like he he stuck around in this fight, and then coming into the fourth round, for that um, with Daniel Cormier's game, game with like hand controls, and like really when your hand controls there. It's like it really works if you're a lot longer. Yeah, that's when it works the best. You're the big man. When you're a shorter guy, guy still works. But what happens as well, like your body's fucking open. Mm. It's like that, and that's when like uh, Stepe found like you know he hit this nice sweet this liver rip, and you could and in the past you see like you know especially in the end of the silver fight DC doesn't like getting hit in the body. Yeah, and then when he got hit, you could just physically you could see DC go whoa. Yeah, and then Stepe goes oh okay. But he just yeah. gets banging on the body. This is working. From there, and like, you know, and like, um, DC couldn't get the, uh, couldn't adapt. Yeah. Like, you know, you could see him just go, oh, I'm, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to, how to, how to address this from that one. And eventually it came like at the end of the fight where like, um, he's worried about his body so much that like, uh, Stipe uncorked a couple few right hands. DC just basically fell against the fence from there and then just got the follow up, and that was the end of the fight, really. Yeah. That. Good shot. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, with Stipe from there, like it talked about before, he's characterized that in every fight he's ever had, he's always been dropped. 
and like they always come back. Yeah. This fight he didn't actually get dropped. But like he was like fuck he was close. <laughs> he got wobbled a fair few times yeah. from there. And um DC from that, like it's just sad because like, you know, like this is maybe his last fight. Yeah, I think it's looking like he'll retire. Now. Yeah. And like, you know, like he he was doing really good until he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, and that's really on Stepe as well for like basically seizing an opportunity. Yeah. As well. And like, yeah, it's like <laughs> It's like bittersweet because like Stephen goes fuck. It was really good. Like he came back, but this like ah, oh, feels sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also so interesting that like it kind of couldn't have worked out better for Stephen because when DC knocked Stephen out, he kind of asserted this like shotgun greatest heavyweight of all time status mm. because it was very difficult to deny because he'd been a light heavyweight. Then when he came straight back up to KO the heavyweight champion, and then you look cumulatively as just his heavyweight career. It's undefeated, mm. legendary wins, like amazingly fast rise. Because remember, he was the alternate in that tournament where he eventually beat Josh Barnett mm. um, with not much experience. I think eight and zero at the time. Mm-hmm. So then he took this. Like, it's very difficult in heavyweight to determine like who's the greatest of all time. <coughs> but really, without it, it looked like it was DC. Mm. Then Stepe comes back. I've seen the show for a little bit. And gets to beat the greatest of all time. Yeah. So it's like, so now I take them in. Yeah. <laughs> put the crown. So I was like, me. you are the person that put someone over to be like, yep, now we've got it. We've got the greatest heavyweight of all time. Because mm-hmm. yeah. like Stepe did a lot of that work too, because he was the longest reigning champion. Yeah. DC kind of just usurps that greatest of all time, and that allows Stepe the platform to come back and become heavyweight. This is really interesting as well, like because imagine like um, it makes me think how Ngannou versus DC would have looked. From there, yeah, and like it probably wouldn't look very good, like after seeing that fight, like especially if, like trying to hand control and go fuck that. Yeah, you wouldn't try yeah. that with someone. Like but like he would, sure. he probably would have went to his wrestling a lot earlier yeah. as well. It's like you know how he did Rumble Johnson, and yeah, like you know, like that. and but also as well, like you know, CP wins and and Gary probably goes fuck. Yeah, <laughs> he goes oh shit, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. this is not the match I wanted. <laughs> Trilogy with DC. Yeah, <laughs> but like yeah, but like Steve, like yeah, arguably the best ever. Like you know, like you got like Fedor as well, like you know, because it's just resume wise. But like yeah. you know, like after that, like Steve, fuck, he's up there. Like, yeah, it's hard. How can, how can you contend with like yeah. no one's defended like more than twice really, other than him? Yeah, like, the, and really, like I imagine he will probably even break his own record now. Yeah, he's, he's still got he's still got time to yeah. have a lot more fights, really. Yeah, and that, so it'd be interesting. And then, like I said, like there's this. New crop of heavyweight coming through, like we talked about for like you know Cyril Gunn, yeah, like that's coming through. Um, and you'll probably see even some like heavyweights come up as well. Like you know, it'd be great to see like you know, even though I don't like the motherfucker, but John Jones, yeah, comes yeah. up and five heavyweight. I reckon that's good. Pretty cool, really good. Yeah, good way to do it. Ryan Bader, yeah, Ryan Bader, <laughs> Ryan greatest Bader. Greatest of all time. <laughs> yeah, the best. There's the a best. difference apparently. <laughs> I just beat the ghost of Fatal. You know, yeah. that makes me the best. <laughs> All right, and that should do it tonight, I reckon. All right, <clears throat> so remember, um, always subscribe, review us um, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all other podcast platforms. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Enter the Double Dragon. We also got our own blog, which is uh, Enter the I know uh, Double Dragon Podcast dot home dot blog. Um, we're also on Twitter at Double Underscore Enter. Um, and like as always, if you ever want us to cover certain topics and that, send us a message and like we'll do it. If you want to shout out from there, I'll shout anyone out. <laughs> so from that one, it's like yeah, if you're in the gym, you can hey, give me a shout out. All right, I will. Shout out. Well, you get it at the very end. So yeah, yeah. yeah go and check out um, Kinetic, the Kinetic event I talked about last time, and watch Lachlan Giles decimate an entire team single handedly. Yeah, it's like you know, that was if, awesome. if you're part of the jujitsu team, we haven't we're getting Lachlan Giles out here on, in October. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, so you better like save your fucking dollar, you dudes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And keep training. It's on UFC Fight Pass. Go and watch it. Yeah, cool. But other than that, we'll catch you later. See you. Awesome. Awesome.